0: And listening, like other habits, is a routine. Listening, it demonstrates that you value other people.
1: Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, friends. I'm Kim Skorupski. And on today's H3 Habits and Hacks from Hopkins session, we have Dr. Stephen Wegener. Stephen, how are you?
0: Good morning, Kim. How are you doing?
1: I am doing great. I'm so excited to have you on the episode today because I know you're going to talk about something that I have a real problem with. So why don't you just tee us right off?
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for, Kim, for inviting me. This is a great program and a lot of fun. Uh, A few that I've listened to have been very helpful and a lot of fun. So uh, I'm Stephen Wegener. I'm a professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation in the School of Medicine and Director of the Division of Rehab Psychology and Neuropsychology. And I also have an appointment over in the School of Public Health in the Department of Health Policy and Management. So Uh, I've been working both sides of the streets now for about 25 years at Hopkins, and it's a real pleasure to be with you today. So when I was thinking about hacks and habits and some of the ones I've heard, I was thinking about this and, you know, I was thinking that, you know, at Hopkins, we have so much emphasis on what I will call speaking, that is getting the word out on our research, our accomplishments, our clinical efforts, you know, that's all part of the promotion. It's part of speeches, of course, written speech and and speaking in public and so forth. There's so much emphasis on that, which of course is important because that's how we influence the world and change uh, the practice of medicine and teaching. But the hack I want to talk about today, Kim, is the hack of listening and perhaps listening more than we're used to. Um, And like other hacks that we've had, on this series is, you know, hacks of exercising daily or setting goals or networking. All these hacks are simple, but at the same time, very difficult. And so what I thought I'd do in our time today is talk a little bit about about that hack of listening.
1: It's so important, and and I'm so glad you brought it up. it's it's kind of it's different. It's unique, and it's one of these things that I'm always amazed by the simplicity of things can be also so profound that we we know this. It's a principle of communication where we have two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. And in academia, it's so. You know, as you point out, it's so important that we, you know, we're all, we live in our brains and have the life of the mind. And so we're always anxious to share what's in our brains. And we always, it's talking, talking, talking. And I find myself in meetings where people are interrupting each other all the time. And I pick up that bad habit of interrupting. So what are the advantages or like tell us more about what you mean specifically by listening, how you do it and what are the advantages of listening?
0: I think you make a very good observation, Kim. In fact, we know from some of the studies that have been done, when people are theoretically listening, that is, they are quiet, what they're often actually doing is thinking about how can I make my point in what I'm going to say, rather than being truly present to the other person and taking what's coming their way. That is, we're in our own head thinking about what do I want to get to? What's my goal here? What am I going to say? and formulate in our mind and not being fully receptive to what's coming at us. And we lose a great opportunity here because listening in my mind has a number of really key advantage. The the, the very first one is, of course, it demonstrates that you value other people, right? And when you invite them to talk by listening, it empowers them. Right. those of us who are in mentoring situations or working with colleagues, we want our colleagues and our mentees and our, our co-workers to feel valued and empowered. And listening is one way to do that. And we have to get away from the reflex of focusing what I'm going to say to saying, how do I take in what they're, they're saying? And this really reflects the importance of valuing other people. I'm not a philosopher, but studied philosophy in the past. And, you know, and Martin Buber, the philosopher, talks about the idea of the I-vow relationship, not I-you, but I-vow. He uses the word Thou to say, to really connote the value of the other person, that they're being held in a special way because they are speaking. So trying to think in terms of that I-vow relationship is really important. There are other advantages to listening, too, is that it takes me out of the expert role. And out of the authority role, it allows me to share this with other people. And this is particularly true when we have unequal relationships, right? In mentor mentees or with colleagues who work with unequally, when I stop back and listen, it raises up them, right? And takes me out of the authoritarian role, which increases their value in our relationships and makes things more balanced, wow. Right. And in the same way, by listening more, this allows us to bridge diversity. We're really, we're hearing all the talk about the need for increasing diversity, increasing inclusiveness. But how do we make that happen? Well, we do that in policy. We do that by changing certain structures. But one of the ways we do this is by listening to other people more. Because by listening to them, Kim, we value them, as I have been saying, right? but we also learn other perspectives as opposed to being focused on getting my perspective across. I'm focusing on being open to what their perspective is. Now it doesn't, listening does not signify agreement, right? And listening to someone does not say that we agree with them. It says, I value what you're saying and I want to understand it, Mm -hmm. right? There'll be time for making your own point and disagreeing later, which obviously happens, you know, in respectful conversation. Let's, I think by focusing on listening, we have the opportunity to bridge diversity, particularly when we're in a cross cultural situation, across gender situation, you know, across race or ethnicity situation, listening becomes even more critical because the possibility for misunderstanding becomes so much greater. Right? Right. And so by by focusing on listening, you really begin to see and perceive and understand the other person's perspective. And they then in turn feel valued. And of course, as they feel more valued, they feel more understood, they relax more. And here then the advantage becomes to me as the person who has been listening. Because they feel understood, because they feel more relaxed, because they feel more valued, they're now more receptive to what I'm going to say. So, so now I've created a situation where they're receptive to what I have to say rather than me talking over them or, as you say, interrupting or focusing on making my own point because they're not going to hear my point until they've gotten theirs across.
1: There's so much richness and depth in what you're saying As I'm listening and trying to listen very hard (laughs) and and listening and listening not to talk, but listening to process this. And I'm I'm hoping you'll go into like how to do this, because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. if if I really want to engage in an authentic relationship, an authentic conversation with someone, it'll be harder to do on the fly in the olden mm. days when we'd walk by each other in a hallway perhaps and and i am be curious to see what you say about <laughs> how, how we could listen on pod you know on zooms rather on which is how we're mostly all meeting now, but if something's going to be quick hallway restroom coffee pot conversation uh that might lend someone to be quick terse, interrupting you know kind of scattershot popcorn blah 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 blah. But in, in, in something where you've got an appointment with a mentor or a mentee, that to me sounds like a ripe opportunity to pause, breathe, exhale, hear, mm-hmm. listen between the lines. I like that phrase, listening between the lines. Like I can listen to what someone's saying with their words, but I can sometimes listen to what they're saying by what they're not saying or what their body is mm-hmm. saying to me, what their eyes are mm-hmm. saying to me. So, Can you talk more about the setup of a good conversation or how you do this?
0: Yeah. Well, I I think you make a good point. It's very hard to listen when you're walking by somewhere in the hallway. and, And those aren't really, if you will, deep listening moments for connection. They're opportunities to say hi and recognize people. The kind of conversation I'm talking about is a conversation where you have more than two minutes, but it doesn't necessarily need to take long. The kind of model that I use I mean, I use it with staff in 10-minute conversations or in meetings where I'm one of four or five or six people. The strategies that I use can work in those situations, but it does take more than two minutes. It's It's a five or 10 or longer conversation, I think, where these skills really come into play. And the The model I use is a model that people who are familiar with the concept of motivational interviewing you probably have heard of this yourself, Kim, in your own training is motivational interviewing is a is a way of interacting with people that is grounded in two basic things, one in a set of values that says i want to focus on accepting other people i want to focus on building collaborative relationships and i want to focus on seeking understanding which is what we're trying to do when we're listening right i want to accept them not so agree but i want to accept at least their perspective i want to forge a collaboration i want to seek understanding and so the motivational interviewing world has developed a set of skills to do this and And it's it's kind of formulaic, and but it's like many good habits, they're kind of formulaic, right? I mean, the person who exercises daily generally has a very specific time they're going to do that, and a very specific routine they're going to do. They're going to get up the first thing in the morning, and they're going to walk five times around the block, or they're going to leave work, and they're going to go, when we went to work, but we're going <laughs> to leave work and go straight to the gym. I am not going to go home push. i I'm not going to go to the store. I'm going straight to the gym. And they get up. They form a routine, right? And listening, like other habits, is a routine. And, and the, the, if you will, the routine that comes out of the motivational interviewing group is starting conversations that I want to have with an open-ended question is, which is like, you know, what do you think about this, Kim? Mm. Or what's the most important thing, Kim, you want to get out of our meeting today? Or tell me more about the problem you're having. These are all questions. They're not yes or no questions. They're questions that get people talking. So we start with an open-ended question to get them talking, to move the focus off of me Mm. and on to you as the speaker and take it and then I'm in a listening perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. I say, is this a problem for you? The answer is yes or no. Then it starts this whole back and forth, yes or no thing. If I say as well, you know, what's going on with you, camera Tell me what the issue is with this particular course. Then it starts you talking more, right? And then as the conversation goes on, I'm going to use these open-ended questions to explore and to seek understanding. And that's going to keep the conversation going until I feel I have understanding and I feel that person's point has gotten across to me. And in the course of that, I'm going to do a couple of other things. I'm going to focus on repeating back to the person what we call reflections back to the person of things they're saying. So, you know, so, Kim, you know, what you're saying to me is the problem is, is that, you know, we have 45 people signed up for this seminar and we only have room for 20. and You're not quite sure what to do. So I'm repeating back to you what you're telling me the problem is or or if you have a teenage kid at home. So you're telling me that, you know, you want to do your homework and you want to zoom online with your friends. So how are we going to manage that? Right. So I'm repeating back to the person what they're saying to let them know, hey, I get it. I'm with you and I'm tracking Right. So it's a way of connecting with people by repeating back at various times. Right. You just right. repeat back in a simple kind of way to just attract with the person. Yeah. Right.
1: That, that whole the, the reflecting is always that's you, you, kind of that makes me a little bit um squirrely. I'm trying to think of a way to say it without. The kind of eye rolling <laughs> thing of when somebody says, yeah. oh, is that what you're, so what you're telling me is, and I kind of like do the eye rolling, like, yes, that's exactly what I just said. So the whole parroting yeah. is a little bit um, it, off the edge on one end where like you, I almost feel like, oh, are, then am I with a psychiatrist where are you going to seriously repeat everything I <laughs> say? But I like the way no. you say it, that it's it's just kind of a saying, I'm tracking with you. I get it. I hear you. Right. Because there's a lot of that. No, it's not what I said at all. I didn't mean that at all. So it is important to sure. reflect to make sure you are tracking, but you don't have to literally pair it back because that would be annoying. I would think
0: it could be annoying, but it's not as annoying as you think it might be. Ah, <laughs> but h- however, however, it can be annoying if you do it all the time. But it's not about repeating back everything they say. It's about repeating back key points that you think you've got. Ah. Right. Uh huh. So so you're, you so. You're tracking them. You don't need to repeat back everything you say, but the key points, right? And then, and then also in the course of my conversation with somebody, I'm going to look for what we, what the A word, we call this affirming. I'm going to look for something positive in this thing, right? I'm going to look for something positive in the conversation that I can comment on to let them know because so many of our conversations, Kim, are about problems, right? How many emails you get in the course of the day and how many of them are either things you should have done, things you need to do, right? Or things that are you're late on, right? <laughs> That's right communications all are about them. problems. Right, all well, of them. There's very many of our <laughs> conversations are about problems. And so what I want to do when I'm listening with someone is trying to find something positive. Let's go back to the conversation we were talking that, you know, I was making up before where you say to me, well, Steve, you know, we got 45 people signed up. We only have room for 20. Well, one possible thing I can affirm there is Kim, you know, you're really dedicated to make sure everybody gets served. We seldom identify positive things about people and comment on them. This is not the same thing as saying, oh, Kim, you know, that's a great sweater you have on. That's a compliment. That's a judgment. That's that's up to a matter of opinion of whether that sweater is great or not, right? But the fact that you're working hard to accommodate all these people, that's just a fact. Mm. It's a positive fact. But I'm going to look for things to affirm with the people I'm collaborating with, right? Somebody, it's like I, a, a
1: micro-affirmation. Like you hear microaggressions, This would be like a micro Right, it's a affirmation.
0: Mi- beautiful. I love that, and I'm going to take that one and steal it for my next talk on this topic. It's a micro-affirmation. Exactly. It's like a micro-aggression. And even if someone comes to me and says, oh, Steve, you know, I really made a big mistake on this, I might say to them, Kim, I appreciate your honesty on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want people to be honest with me, even, of course, even about mistakes. And, as we, and this is, of course, one of the key things we have learned from our culture of safety, right, is that we value people. We're pointing out where our mistakes have been made, mm. right we va- we now are valuing that we're affirming that, and these micro affirmations, what do they do? They cause people then to listen more carefully to what I say because they never know when I'm going to say something positive. Huh. I, and, and this is so much a part of my, this is so much a part of my, uh, of my way of running conversations with starting with open-ended questions and doing reflections and working in affirmation is uh, my daughter who is now, you know, on the faculty at Vanderbilt. She was home on the, one of the last holidays when she was still home and we're at dinner time and we're talking about this and that. And she goes, Dad, I've been sitting here for 20 minutes and I haven't heard an affirmation yet. Ah!
1: So you've trained her to expect that. Isn't that wonderful?
0: Yes, exactly. But she knows the conversations are going to follow this pattern of, you know, in our our family, we sit down at the table and we would say is, tell me about, tell me something you learned today you didn't know. Yeah. Right. It could be anything you learned. I mean, that's a school fact, but it could be learning that, you know, it could be anything you learned. But so I start with opening the question and do some reflections and, and then, of course, when you ask open ended questions, people tend to ask you them back. And so now I have this back and forth going. I'm putting some reflections in. I'm putting in an affirmation or two, right? In every interaction with people I want to have, any extended interaction with people, I want to have an affirmation in there somewhere. Hmm. just one or two. The most important thing is is that it's genuine. You yeah. can't say nice things to people when they're not worthy of them. You want to see things that are genuine. It has to be genuine. It has to come from your heart because people will see through that. But generally, if we look, we can find things to affirm because most of the time we're spending time looking for problems. So listening in this way, it changes your mindset. It takes you off the negative and puts you in a more balanced perspective of negative and positive. Finally, the conversation is going to end with an S, a summary. Right? A summary. A summary. That is where are we, right so and, and oftentimes we would like the the speaker or the mentee or our colleague to do the summary. So I might say to one of the uh, junior faculty members so what do you, what what are the next steps that we discussed?" And they say, "Well, i'm going to put this paper in, and then I'm going to work on this talk, and I'm going to work on getting my clinical productivity up or something, right So having them summarize the conversation at the end right? Because it's better for the listener to do the summary than for me to do the summary, because me, if they're, if they're summarizing it, they're buying in, right? So at the end of one of these conversations, I might say, well, can you remind me of what the plan is? Or if I'm in a meeting, you know, so we've been talking for 45 minutes about how we're going to manage this particular uh, course. What's the plan now? Can somebody lay that out for us? Right. So I'm going to have a summary in my conversation. And sometimes the summary is, is well, it sounds like we're not sure what to do yet. And we're going to meet the next week. That's the summary. That's fine. But it brings closure to the whole thing, right? So people can feel like, okay, I can put this aside and move on, right? So I'm going to start with my O, open-ended questions. I'm going to work an affirmation in there. I'm going to do a couple of reflections of key points. And then we're going to do a summary. Somebody in the conversation is going to do a summary. So we have the O-A-R-S, or what we call our oars, right? We use our oars to move forward through the water. But that's that basically is the skill that I use. And I every conversation I have with a person uses that formula. It's good with our colleagues. It's good with our mentees. It's good with our children. It's good with our partners. (laughs) It it just works. It's universal because it's based on the basic flow of I want to accept you. I want to collaborate and I want to understand. And it just sets things up. And the the value of this is, is if I find myself in a conversation and it's not going well, Kim, I probably have dropped my oars. Uh, I've moved, I've moved into Stephen Wegener's natural autocratic. Let me tell you how it ought to be mode. Right. right. (laughs) And so so I reverted to my, I reverted to my true self (laughs) or as opposed to the self I want to become. (laughs) And I think that's what this listening strategy calls to do. You know, so for some people, it comes naturally. For others, it's more of a learned skill. But I would argue that to be successful, you know, you look at our look at our leaders around our community, you know, and beyond, the people who are successful are people who are able to listen and connect, right? The key to lead is to listen. And so that, that's kind of, you know, my, my hack for the day is kind of listening and using my oars to move forward
1: love it. And I, I can just see how you are reinforcing that culture and that safety with everyone. If they know no one ever leaves a meeting with you, probably where they're like, what the heck was all that about? Or I don't know what's going to happen next. By instituting these habits and this predictability, if you will, I, I envision that the climate... You create is one just like your daughter or any of your mentees, you know, have expressed that they come to expect that authenticity of um, you hearing them, valuing them, seeing them, respecting them, elevating them. And then what I'm getting from this is something that I, I try to learn a lot or I try to practice more is rather as a leader thinking of myself as having the answer for everyone's problems that you're empowering them to to find the problems. That they that we all in essence know the solutions to our problem. It's just that that being heard and understood sometimes can take a lot of the heat out of the moment. So I'm trying to learn to quick Kim, don't be so quick on the oh I know how to solve that. I know how to solve that and like starting to tick off the things I'm gonna tell them to fix the thing. Which can be of course sometimes you do need a quick fix. But that whole you know it, Empowering them to find the solutions is just a wonderful right. a wonderful gift. Right.
0: And once again, like yourself, Kim, this is a struggle for me too. I don't get it right all the time, but I know when I use these skills and I'm in this zone, it does work better for me and I think for the people around me. Thanks
1: so much, Steve. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time on the podcast. That's Stephen Wegener. Take care. Bye.